हेलो एवरी वन वेलकम टू द पॉडकास्ट फिनिकी अ पॉडकास्ट दैट डील्स विद फाइनेंशियल और फिन इशूज दैट आर अनप्लेजेंट और इकी टू हेयर अबाउट इट एम्स टू मेक दैम बेरेबल फॉर इवन द फिनिकीएस्ट ऑफ ऑल लिसनर्स I understand that it's not that great a joke for me to be so repetitive about it but I guess I'm kind of stuck with it now so are you by the way if you are planning to stay tuned in now if you heard the introduction podcast or went through the description of this uh, episode you must be aware that the topic that we are going to discuss is basically that using the indian numbering system or say lakhs and crores instead of millions and billions that is used globally influences the way in which indians view large numbers and subsequently large amounts of money i must clarify that this numbering system is technically used in the indian subcontinent that is india pakistan bangladesh bhutan sri lanka but i'll stick to indian perspective and examples only it's more convenient that way The idea for this topic actually struck me when I read the number of 20 lakh crores which is the size of the fiscal stimulus package that the government has announced for us. Now, when most of the people were questioning where is this money coming from or to who all is this money going to be allocated to, where is this money being used? I had the simple question that isn't that like an incredibly inconvenient way to express such humongous amounts? I mean let's take a step back and look at 20 lakh crore how we learn mathematics is by imagining it as building blocks i mean that's how we learn multiplication 3 times 1 3 3 times 2 6 and we subconsciously imagine it as like compounding 3 and another 3 falls on top of it it becomes 6 So from that angle it's easier to imagine 1 lakh which is just 1 lakh times 1 or 1 lakh units of 1 similarly 1 crore or 1 million or even 1 billion because that's just 1 billion units of 1 but now when we look at this figure which is 20 lakh crore it becomes increasingly and pointlessly difficult think about it try imagining 20 lakh units of a crore or 2 million units of 10 million i mean you get the idea right and before i decide to go into the details as to why i decided to engage with this topic let us put this number 20 lakh crore into terms that we can understand better or it's more perceivable 20 lakh crores is 20 trillion rupees to put that into even more perceivable terms this is probably 300 times the views of despacito on youtube in inr and if we translate this number into dollars it's 265 billion us dollars which is around 130 times the size of antilla mukesh ambani's house which is by the way side note is the most expensive private property in the world costing 14000 crores or 2 billion dollars 265 billion US dollars is equivalent to the market cap or market value of the entire Walt Disney company and if you're like me who just scooted over this number when you read this piece of information and did not take out the 30 seconds to do the mental gymnastics to you know understand the depth of this value or this amount you're probably not alone like 
and from what i can see the reason is very simple our generation's definitive characteristic is that our attention span is too short and it's not because that we have a lot of distractions is because that we have the perfect information access that we can get information from across the planet and thus we have so many things to care about that if a piece of information is not presented in a manner that it can be immediately consumed by us we'll probably not care about it i mean we might share an instagram story about it but to understand it to analyze it to see its impact on our economic life we probably won't go that far and this is the purpose behind this podcast as well that firstly to show you my listeners that there can be so much of economic context even behind non complicit things that is how do you put your commas between your big numbers and secondly to just flag it in your head you know because honestly i am aware of the fact that a podcast that hardly 50 people will listen to will not change how this country has been using numbers what i intend to do for people who are tuned in is to give you enough context and a background story so that the next time you see such an era defining number with a us dollar or an indian rupee sign in front of it you would actually take those 30 seconds out do that mental gymnastics and then analyze how deep that amount goes and what economic impact it has on your life you must have probably heard of law of conservation of matter which is that matter can neither be created nor destroyed there is another law like that it's called the law of conservation of wealth that wealth can neither be created nor destroyed it merely transfers from one party to another that is it just changes hands it is never truly destroyed well unless you are joker from nolan's batman but this is what happens with these mega amounts they change hands that is they get removed from one place and they get added to another place just because we casually overlook figures of these proportions because they are annoyingly framed in india we also kind of detach ourselves from that trail of wealth because if you don't understand the size of that wealth you really won't know whether there lies an opportunity for you to capitalize in that change of hands over that wealth now let me explain this by way of an example take for instance the tatas they have a lot of companies under their names tata power tata motors tata chemical titan and many more a small side note here what you should know about these companies is that they are called public companies which means that their shares are traded on the indian stock exchanges the national stock exchange and the bombay stock exchange let me give you a small summary as to how this works imagine a company like apple or google and they are divided into millions or crores of pieces which are called shares or stocks and this makes it possible for individuals for the common folk to buy a piece of these trillion dollar companies by buying stocks or shares of these companies now there are a lot of regulations there's a lot of context behind it but essentially the idea is that if the company does well 
पीपल विल अप्रिशिएट दैट एंड थिंक या दैट्स अ सॉलिड कंपनी एंड व्हाट विल दैट रिजल्ट इन इज दैट इट्स वैल्यू इन द आईज ऑफ पीपल एंड द मार्केट विल इंक्रीज एंड इफ द वैल्यू ऑफ द कंपनी इंक्रीजेस बिकॉज इट इज डूइंग सो वेल the value of each individual unit that one upon 1 millionth unit will also increase and that is the entire play of stock market that people bet on whether a specific company will do good or bad at activities for which it was created for by buying and selling its shares and the difference between the cost price and the selling price of a stock or a share is essentially the profits or the earnings people have from these stock markets and one more thing i need to point out here is that if you own a unit or a stock you essentially own a part of that company now the more units you own will increase your ownership in the company and your say in how the company is supposed to be run so if you own 51% of the units of the company or shares of the company then that will mean that you own most of the company and you will essentially start to run the show it's a majority rule i think the side note was way longer than it was required but i think yeah good information was given so we are talking about numbers numbers people crores and lakhs and millions and billions so with respect to the tata example all of these companies that i had talked about are essentially owned or a major portion or a majority portion of their units or shares are owned by a single entity called tata sons private limited in tata sons private limited there are mainly two holders one is the tatas and the other one are the mistries these are two big business families of india and are joint owners of tata sons private limited which in turn owns all these companies the mistries own about 18% of tata sons private limited which they have said very recently like a month or so back is valued at 1.75 lakh crore inr and are demanding tata sons to pay for the same i mean it's the usual of tatas versus mistries and there have been other developments in the issue but that is not the crux the crux is the fact that the number that they have used 1.75 lakh crore translates to roughly 25 billion us dollars an era defining amount that i wouldn't have probably taken note of had it been expressed in the same inconvenient terms that i am pointing out so tirelessly even now i decided to just translate and analyze the depth of the wealth because i was doing this episode on podcast which dealt with how we look at numbers and now if you were aware of 25 billion dollars claimed against tata group of companies by their own shareholders you would probably think that something must be done or something must be thought of with respect to investing in these various public companies that tata has and that thought process of creating an opportunity in your mind during this change of wealth only happened once you recognized that the number is large enough to create some form of impact and that is the exact point that i am trying to drive home that you need to take cognizance and you need to be attentive towards these large numbers that float around you once i did that it connected immediately back to my original statement that i made that wealth is neither created nor destroyed it merely changes hands 
and it is technically our lookout to be cognizant of what hands wealth is being changed in or is moving around we need to be aware of the circulation of wealth in our economy if we want to classify ourselves as people who are economically aware and this will only happen once you actively register it in your head that this information that is presented in such a horrid manner needs to be translated into a figure or a term that i understand properly only then can i truly see the magnitude of the wealth being moved around i know it's a fairly convoluted point to make and it's like i'm probably making a non issue into an issue but that's what podcasts are all about it's all about fake hype and fake outrage and i don't think mine is hurting anyone this is a fairly interesting topic i know it's weird but it's interesting to think about it's interesting to listen to i guess so for the people who kind of agree with what i'm trying to say and for people who don't how about i add a little bit of flavor to this topic by bringing more context to it so the conversation is about numbers why don't we take a look at where it all started now most of the ancient civilizations used some form of tally marks or just sticks and stones to do basic arithmetic as the size of these ancient civilizations grew trade became more complex what was felt that this tally mark system was not making the cut it wasn't efficient anymore it wasn't well suited for complex transactions and so many of the old civilizations like the egyptians the greek the romans the chinese developed their own unique number systems things were okay for a few centuries but then as the civilizations progressed humanity grew their own number systems again became insufficient because they continuously required larger and larger numbers for their trade and economic development and this wasn't exactly possible with how their number system was designed what i mean essentially is that in these ancient civilizations the symbols that they used to denote numbers were not interchangeable and a new symbol had to be invented as you required a larger number so these civilizations flourished the population grew the quantity of food produced grew the trade grew and the requirement for a new number grew and every time that uh, happened a new symbol had to be invented and it was becoming extremely hard to keep a check like take for example in ancient egyptian civilization 10000 is denoted by a finger 1 lakh is denoted by a tadpole 10 lakh is denoted by a guy with his hands up in the air and that symbol is called uh, astonished man now this is ancient history egypt's example but europe up until the dark ages which is around 1100 or 1200 ad was also suffering with that problem that their trade and their numbering system were not aligned with each other it was inconvenient the roman numbering system they used or the regional numbering system that they were using what was essentially needed was a system that had the ability to express any number from a defined set of symbols and this system was actually perfected by indian mathematicians in around 800 or 1000 ad wherein 
they devised the system called positional notation where they have just 10 symbols denoting the entirety of numbers from 0 to 9 and the place where you put the digits would define the value of the number so for example 168 and 816 are two numbers with a good difference and the only visual difference is the position where the three individual numbers are written then from india it spread to the middle east and from middle east it spread to the entire world even today it is still called the hindu arabic number system of course a key concept of this system was its ability to value zero both as like an existing symbol that zero does exist and as a value multiplier when put behind a number and this is something that indian mathematicians recognized and then this spread throughout the world a question you must ask at this point is that taking for example europe what was the need of europe to adopt an entirely different way of doing math the answer is first convenience it was easier to adopt and play out against roman numerals second uniformity unlike today or as completely opposite situation today back then in around 1200 ad the middle east was busy doing science and trade and europe was busy with religion so when the middle east adopted the hindu numeral system the europeans also followed suit as a superior numbering system that their more proficient counterparts have chosen finally trade with the expansion of cities and the incoming of the enlightenment period in europe more and more requirement was felt of efficient trading systems so i was reading a report by british broadcasting corporation or bbc that luca pacioli one of the best buddies of leonardo da vinci or da vinci is credited to be the father of double entry bookkeeping if you are not a maths commerce student double entry bookkeeping basically means modern day accounts where we follow this system that every transaction will be registered twice following this concept or principle of debit what comes in credit what goes out for example if you purchased a car with your bank account money you would say car debit bank credit because the car came in you bought in the car and you paid it with your bank balance that is your bank balance went out out of your possession so this system was devised by luca pacioli and is something that we used even today but the bbc report actually claimed that luca pacioli was not actually the one who created double entry bookkeeping because there were ancient records available from india and middle east that showed that double entry bookkeeping existed long before than when pacioli was credited as the father of double entry bookkeeping essentially what pacioli did was compile all the practices that were prevalent or that were slowly spreading in prominent european cities back in 13th and 14th centuries and compile them in a book that he published in 1494 which subsequently led to him being credited for the same what was important to note there was that these practices actually came from nomadic merchants who used to travel all across europe and also to the middle east 
and sourced these practices from the Middle East. Who had sourced these practices of trading efficiently, of recording information in the most effective manner from India. Now the point that I am trying to drive home isn't that India had a significant impact on global mathematics and trade practices. This is something I think we are all aware of that Indians were crazy good at mathematics since time immemorial. The point that I am trying to drive home is that historically that people disregarded their way of looking at numbers or a way of living life because numbers are everywhere for the sake of convenience, uniformity and trade. Exactly the same reason why I recorded this episode that an inefficient way of expressing numbers affects how Indians look at money and thus must be given up for the sake of convenience, uniformity and trade. The inefficient system, in my opinion, makes young Indians like you and I more susceptible to ignore and just scoot over large number and amounts in the economy. I mean, at the risk of repeating myself, I will just point this out again that we kind of detach ourselves from the circulation of wealth if we don't understand the size of wealth and we can't really make a proper opportunity for ourselves if we don't understand the size of wealth along with its circulation and direction. I know it takes 30 seconds to do the mental gymnastics and figure it out and essentially make my entire podcast null and void. But two questions or two observations here. A. Why is that required? Why do I need to do that? And secondly, as I'd already told about our short span of attention due to perfect information access about anything in the entire world, this number acts as a deterrent for people to look beyond it. That is, I see a number that is presented in an incomprehensible manner, I will not register it inside my head. Like yeah, the indifference kicks in if the number or the piece of information is not quickly decipherable. And essentially the idea of this podcast is to make you guys, my listeners, more sensitive to such indecipherable information because most of the financial information around us is pretty much coded in vague terms so that so that there are people who can capitalize on other people's innocence and lack of knowledge, I guess. So now that we are done with history, there is one point that I must clarify. It's not like there are nations that do not follow their own number systems today. In fact, our situation is rather manageable because our terminology makes it explicit that it's a different system, that you won't be confused when I use billion and crore. They sound different and they are written differently. But to your surprise, there is an extremely prominent number system that I don't think a lot of Indians are aware of. I mean, it's the extension of the same Western number system that is using millions and billions. But how much is a billion? A billion could be a thousand million or it could be a million million. It totally depends where you live. So essentially, some of the countries like France and Italy follow this concept called the long scale, which means that they express their numbers in mill bill terms 
बट वेर दे पुट द कॉमा और वेर दे चेंज द नेम इज कंप्लीटली डिफरेंट फ्रॉम वॉट यू एन आई नो फॉर अस अ थाउजेंड मिलियन इज अ बिलियन बट दैट इज शॉर्ट स्केल इन लॉन्ग स्केल अ मिलियन मिलियन बिकम्स अ बिलियन आई नो इट्स इट्स कंफ्यूजिंग बट जस्ट थिंक अबाउट इट what long scale essentially says that we will only change the term after every six zeros so after six zeros it's million after 12 zeros it's billion and after 18 zeros it's trillion but short scale on the other hand which is technically american what these guys say that six zeros is million a thousand million becomes billion and then a thousand billion becomes trillion so this creates some form of confusion there so you may have heard of the term milliard if you haven't milliard is what they unofficially call a thousand million in countries where they use the long scale i know it sounds more confusing than lakhs and crores and you'll be like that current aren't we lucky that we are in a place where we don't have this system at least from a numerological point of view and not exactly this isn't the point that i'm trying to advocate for because firstly even in their common parlance or when they are using english there is a lot of evidence that they also use the short scale and secondly at least they have the ability to express large numbers in coherent terms and that is the entire point that you need to express large numbers in terms that are immediately perceivable I mean look at us fifth largest economy of the world world's second largest country in terms of population world's largest democracy and does not have a unique official term to express any number that is larger than seven digits I mean what from an economical or financial point of view this really doesn't make sense but to continue we actually do have terms to express large numbers i mean we invented zero so we have a long catalog of large numbers you must have probably heard of arab and kharab i mean i think that they came from middle east because of the way their name sound but yeah for our sake they are pretty much the unofficial indian terms for large numbers so a 100 crores would be equivalent to one arab or 1 billion short scale we use short scale in india but moving on 1 kharab is equivalent to a 100 arab or a 100 billion and then a 100 kharab is equivalent to 1 nil or neel the amount that we mentioned 20 lakh crore can be written as 2 neel and then there are bigger numbers padma shank and mahashank so it's not like that indians do not have their own terminology for large numbers but it's not used officially officially we stick to lakhs and crores only you'll be surprised to know that up until i think january 2020 reserve bank of india or rbi used to publish its reports in only million and billion now they use lakhs and crores but the same cannot be said for indian companies who use their own terms like i saw a couple of balance sheets or the report cards the financial report cards of companies that is how they have done in the past year and they used million lakhs i mean 
you should not be this explicit about the fact that we want to confuse the normal population so they used to write the numbers in millions and then they used to give it in the legend that figures in lakhs and i was like okay if you want to play hard you play hard <laughs> but my arab kharab nail story tells one thing to you that out of the three points that i have highlighted that requires us to move to another system that is convenience uniformity and trade we already have the convenience it's just that we haven't implemented it that is we have the terms that can address large numbers and if we officially adopt them i know it will be difficult but eventually in a few years our population will be able to visualize these terms as well in a much more efficient manner counting will become more efficient and trade is all digitized so that's not an issue what the issue still remains is that of uniformity that the flow of wealth in the 21st century is quite interlinked there will be interests involved that go beyond this country even of money inside this country so in my opinion it becomes important for us to analyze how deep the wealth goes in a manner that is synchronized with the rest of the world i mean i have no problems learning neel padam shankh mahashank but why do we got to do that which is why i kind of argue that we should change our system to million and billions i know one of the most important counter narrative that comes up is us being even more westernized us adopting the colonial standards that we fought against with so much rigor in the past but to answer that or to address that concern of us adopting colonial standards is on two levels firstly it was us who invented the digit zero so it's technically not a colonial standard but it is our own standard had it not been the indian mathematicians of the past this number or this way of presenting the numbers would have never come into existence we would have been stuck with tally marks or with a new symbol coming every day for a new number that is being required oh so we have trillion dollar economies now let's create a trillion symbol but this is not the case and it's entirely because of indians second point is that it's not technically going back to the colonial standards because if you remember the long scale short scale conversations united kingdom or england used long scale up until 1974 and then these guys realized that the true superpower of the world is not them anymore it's united states of america which used the short scale in fact at that point of time i think it was the united states only that used short scale and then slowly as the american dollar became the global default and the american economy became the major economic superpower everyone slowly allied to them and changed how they view numbers as per the majority of flow of money which was in the united states of america so up until 1974 even united kingdom used long scale that is a different system of viewing numbers or large numbers and thus it's fairly reasonable for india to do the same by just keeping in mind the flow of money i don't know how strong the narrative is but 
from whatever forums that I have discussed this upon, people believe that there is a sense of nationalism that may be attached to using our own number system. And I kind of argue in these two points that that sense of nationalism or that sense of anti-colonialism may not exactly exist because of these two reasons. At the end, if I have to summarize what I'm trying to argue, I'm just saying that a modern economy or citizens of a modern economy with strong international connections should ideally switch to millions and billions. I want that the average Indian do that mental adjustment and give up on lakhs and crores. I mean, this may not be that much to ask because let's take that amount into consideration. You decide which is the easiest for you to imagine or visualize now. 20 lakh crore, 20 trillion or 2 nil. In any case, what I'm arguing today may become the reality in the next 50 years because it's not like how we view numbers in economy or in finance hasn't changed. Like the old Indian system of currency was that of anas, where 4 anas was equivalent to 25 pesa or 16 anas was 1 rupee. Then we moved on to a decimalized system wherein 100 pesa was equivalent to 1 rupee and we subsequently ditched the ana system altogether. Why? Because it was more convenient, it was more uniform with the international practices and it was easier for trade. Also. Doing this adjustment, in my opinion, would not be that big of a task and it would save a lot of us from the constant mental gymnastics that I may point out you ought to do regardless of converting, you know, millions and billions into lakhs and crores to just understand again the depth of wealth and also being prone to errors frequently. I surmise that the change or the adjustment will not be that difficult to do because a lot of us are active on social media and social media really uses millions and billions instead of lakhs and crores. So does international figures and revenues. All of this, I think, has already made us quite perceptive to the Western system and adjustment would be fairly easy. Regardless, at the end, I would only like to point out that I know my limitations that my podcast will not bring about a change that may come naturally as well. But what it can do now is to bring about that change inside your head that you become more sensitive to financial data that you may have glossed over in the past and be more aware of your economical atmosphere around you. <sighs> I know it was a fairly icky topic, but I'm glad that we finished it together. <laughs> Don't kill me, please. And now before you go, I know I've taken a lot of time but I had promised a special section where I explain financial terms that you may come across in your life. So stay tuned for icky terms.